I'm Hayley Mary. I'm a singer and a songwriter and just an all round fun time. Lift the room. Push your pull. All right, here we are. Welcome to season two, episode two of Introducing. Thanks for joining us again. And of course, thank you very much for all your nice feedback after our first episode of season two with the incredible Jack Antonoff. I feel like. Well, that could have been. Well, there could be a part two to that conversation. There was so much to cover. So maybe, just maybe, if he gets out here to Australia at some stage, we can have that beer and chat face to face, like he promised. I mean, you heard it. You're witness to that. Haley Mary uh, is who we're chatting to for episode two, and I'm pumped because she's like, honestly, she's one of my favourite female voices. I got right into the Jezebels um, since they kicked things off in 2007. She's doing incredible things with her solo career now as well. She's going to play for us a few times in this chat, which is awesome. And she's also going to discuss, I guess, where it all started, you know, with her dad in Byron Bay. Her dad dressed as a witch. I think she's dressed as a fairy. I know she'll chat about that in a second. And we got to catch up at a mutual friend's house where we roasted pumpkin on an open fire and drank low alcohol booze. I'm painting you a very wholesome picture. I know. I promise it was. Uh, let's just get into it with the wonderful Hayley Mary. Great to do this properly because we've been here together and we should explain. We, we like to start and say where we are. We're at Mutual Friends of Ours, Patty and Beck's house, which has seen a lot of good times. Mm. What does this place mean to you? You, you? You've been here a little bit. I have. I've slept in this very little flat that we're in out the back. Did you of kick it. your undies under the bed over there? <laughs> no, I always check because oh, it's just too much to think of. Like Beck, I could deal with, but imagine Patty finding your undies oh, like no, in his office. Oh, no. It's it's terrible. <laughs> it's a terrible notion. So I always check. But yeah, I've stayed here many times. What does this place mean to me? It's a little bit of an oasis, isn't it? Yeah. It's a it's a little utopian block of land in the middle of the city. And you know what I always say? My wife gets annoyed with me, but whenever we drive past, there's a pub near it called The Town and Country, which is the actual town and country from the Slim Dusty song. Is it really? It's the We're actual one. We're discussing our location. Here's Paddy and here's the man now. himself. Now, Come I to always bring like me a to, bottle of wine. I like to keep the, the guests lick it up. And last <laughs> time we were here, well, Paddy, you can stay for this. Last <laughs> time we were here, close the door though, be professional. Um, <laughs> Last time we were here, you were drinking low alcohol wine. I was. So I went to our mates at PNV. I love how your version of low alcohol is eleven percent. <laughs> well, what it was? It's slightly lower than normal, okay, which well, is thirteen percent. Let me taste or it. Or fourteen. I was on the seven and a half percent type vibes. Oh, no way. They don't sell that. But I've given up that low alcohol okay. thing. Oh, have you? Well, I mean, not. It's not like I don't drink it, but it's not the rule you still anymore. Drink water. I had to let go. <laughs> I had to let go of the rule. That's nice. Maybe chilled a bit more, but nice. Oh, sorry. <laughs> we can, we can <laughs> no, no. get some ice cubes. <laughs> yeah, a couple of ice cubes, please. Chop, chop. <laughs> no, we were just talking about what, a, what an oasis your house is and, yes. and how we love coming here. Yeah, so it's it lovely is. to be here. Yeah, a lot of interesting people come through and stay. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's start at the start. Are you from Byron Bay? Is that where you're from? I am from – I grew up in Byron Bay. I was born in the Blue Mountains, but okay. I my family moved to Byron when I was like seven. Right. So, so unlike everybody who's moving there, your family left. <laughs> yeah, well, my dad's still there because it it suits him psychologically. I struggled with it psychologically. I don't like the sun much, <laughs> or like the beach. Right, I like the sea. Like I like where the ocean meets yeah. the shore. But I'm not super into beach culture. Right, I found Byron in those days to be a little bit puberty blues. Yeah, okay. Things have changed a lot. A bit more Netflix now. <laughs> a bit more puberty blues yeah. to Netflix. Yeah. And I didn't think of myself as much of a, a bay. <laughs> Serious? <laughs> no. Oh, no. I mean, I'm not I'm not too bad, but I didn't feel very comfortable in a bikini as such. Yeah. Quite pasty. So, you know, did you ever busk outside Tiger Lily like Tones and I? My dad used to make me busk as a child. He dressed me as a fairy and he dressed as a witch and he plays Celtic harp. Because he's Scottish and he's a madman. And he used to call himself Andy Christ and I was Hayley Mary, which is where this name came from. It's actually not my real name. Sorry. Anywhere from four till 12 when I realised shame. (laughs) Um, But I'm proud of it now. It was a good experience. But, yes, I did do the busking, but it's not my discovery story. No. 
Nah. Well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, so, so I don't now- think I've been discovered. I'm hoping this is <laughs> no, going to be my discovery. Hey, this story. is the discovery. <laughs> uh, this, this is your Tones and I, Tiger Lily. <laughs> Patty's house. <laughs> Tiger Lily, what a spot. Yeah, because well, I think that was where the, one of the, her film clips was done. But I remember that was where talking to her, people found her. And literally within six months, she was kind of annoying everybody with Dance Monkey. Eight billion streams, oh more than the population of the world. Mm, unbelievable. Mm, anyway, you know, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> it is funny, though, because my dad used to say, like, you can do anything from Byron. Like, you don't have to leave. You know how back in the mm. 80s and stuff people would have to go to the UK or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, you can do it all from here. And it's like, he's right. Yeah. But I wanted to leave for other reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's north, north, north Bondi. Yeah. Now. So, it really is just an extension of Sydney. Yeah. So, from Sydney, though, you've moved recently to Melbourne. I have, yes. And, and sort of recently. Well, because in Piss in the Perfume where it says, I heard you're coming back to Sydney. Mm. That's that obviously not you then. That was written in Sydney. Because <laughs> you've I'm left. Here. I do come back to Sydney quite frequently. <laughs> oh, so coming back just fleeting. I normally don't write songs addressed to myself, though, <laughs> to, to be know. fair. They're not always about someone in particular, but they're very rarely to me. I, I do a lot of back and forthing. My narrative is very hard to just put down in a forward. So, so where do you write on the passport? Not that we've flown anywhere internationally lately, but where do you write where you're from? Well, wherever my technical address mm. is, like according to the bank or whatever. I tend to say Melbourne now, but I've kind of lived there on and off for the last four or five years. But then there was like bouts of Edinburgh and London in between that. Lots of back and forthing. I'm a bit of a wanderer. I was once told by a past life reader, which mm. is the opposite to a fortune teller. Oh, okay. They tell the past. Yeah. But like- But how? But don't you know the past? No, the you... past life. Oh, past life, sorry. So, they go into your past lives. And I was told that I- This was in New Orleans, so it's legit. New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> it's legit, yeah. So, I was told that I was a traveller in like- almost all of my past life. So like a diplomat. Oh wow. Back in like the Middle Ages. And then they had like diplomats in the Middle Ages? Yeah. <laughs> they'd go and try and stop a war with Spain and shit. You know, the <laughs> Armada coming in. Like they needed diplomats. Was that the Middle Ages? I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm imagining like well, I think medieval when I think Middle Ages, but is that they had diplomats, yeah. Okay. Like England. I didn't say diplomat in Game of Thrones. Well, I, they wouldn't have been called diplomats. Oh, of course. But they didn't have a flag little, on the bottom. Littlefinger was a diplomat. So it was oh, the okay. eunuch. Those, these are, they play a diplomatic kind of, what's the word? Negotiating kind yeah. of power wielding role. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's just diplomacy. It's not. So you're a traveler. So that means, so, so, so why though did you, and I'll mention your partner, Johnny, as well, DMA as Johnny yeah. took. Why did you guys just decide, let's, let's give Melbourne a go? Well, it goes back to- In this to, life, by the way. In this not- <laughs> life, it goes back to the Edinburgh thing in right. that we moved to Edinburgh because we both loved it independently of each other even before we met mm. and we needed to get out of Sydney because just sometimes, it, you know, things just get a little bit insular and the same, you know, party on your pillow at 7am in the morning, people still in your room smoking cigarettes and like ashing on your bed and shit. And you're like, we need to. Let's do that in Edinburgh. <laughs> Let's do that in Edinburgh. No, so we got out and then just to freshen it up, change something. Great. Mm. Where I wrote my first EP, most of it, not all of it, but got it kind of more in the bag. And then we loved it so much and we loved the cold and we loved the being a bit away from home. So we were like, what's a good way of doing that without being 24 hours away from home yeah. in a plane? And Melbourne was a good compromise. It's a bit more cold and, yeah. you know, Scotlandy. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but it's yeah. an hour away rather than 24. Yeah, yeah you can get to Sydney quickly. it's a little easier. Yeah. yeah. So it was a good compromise. Yeah. One of my best mates, James Young, has a bar called Cherry Bar and Yaya's in Melbourne. Yep. yep. And he's now the first ever nightmare of the town as well, which is an official title. It is because they have them in the, you know, those progressive countries. So there's a mayor and there's a nightmare. So he's in charge of the city after dark. So good. But he's he's always said to me, cold places draw people inside and inside is where people become creative because I guess if you wake up in the morning and are outside all day, well, well you're just kind of splashing around. Yeah, and you're not on the castles. soccer field writing a song or no, or even the just beach. in the surf. Yeah, yeah. And so, would you agree with that? Obviously, yeah, I would. I would. I mean, I found that in Edinburgh as well. 
it's just fucking miserable and cold and like. Yeah, I was gonna say, is misery the key? <laughs> misery is also key. Yeah. Misery leads to creativity for sure. Not to say that you should try and become miserable to get a good song. That is silly. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I think it it is kind of key. It's like necessities of other invention. Mm. Kind of vibes. Also, my mate, do you know Brendan Cowell, the actor? Yeah, I do. He's a good mate of mine, and he went and stayed in our apartment. In it was like a tenement flat, mm. like very Scotland, like sandstone mm. tenement flat. And he stayed in there when we were away, and he was like, I don't know why, but I just wrote so much. There's like something about that place and that city. It's where Harry Potter was inspired. Yeah, you know? right. It does make you kind of want to write. Yeah, you feel okay. like you're there with like Hans Christian Andersen penning some, you know, I'm a make some future classic mm. kind of vibe for Whereas the if, ages. If you live in Bronte, you're just doing a fun run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, maybe. I see that. I see that. Bronte's got a bit of magic to it, a bit of a romantic kind of cliff mm. cliffside vibe. Yeah. But, yeah. I know. I see what you mean. But, yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bondi, maybe. Bondi, maybe, yeah. North, North, North Bondi, Byron. <laughs> So I, I want to say before, like last night, I, I was kind of just poking around the internet and listening to some old tunes of yours and Jezebel's and stuff, and I had a really good time because I know that Dark Storm, I think I've told you, was the the EP that I listened to every day for maybe a year when I lived That's in quite Brisbane. Funny, I always forget what songs are on that. <laughs> yeah. I know well, Dark, Dark Storm is one of them. Is one of them. Uh, Spray, May Spray, yeah. May Spray, and we were living in this giant Queenslander. And we had this actor living underneath us. For six months, we just never spoke a word to each other. And like Saturdays and Sundays, I'd be pumping Dark Storm. And he knocked on the door and he said, the only reason I'm up here is, what is this music? I, I don't know what it is, but you've got incredibly good taste in music. And we're, we're still mates to this day. And, um, That's cool. But a very non-cold and like living in Brisbane as a, a Sydney guy and I lived in Melbourne a lot of my life, I didn't really get Brisbane. It was hard for me because it was a very well, – everyone just basically went over to each other's house for barbecues all the time. So when you're kind of yeah. there on your own, you don't really have that. So I had Dark Storm. Sweet. But I wanted to ask you because it was a lovely moment for me last night. How often with your own music – do you go back or do you just keep rolling forward? No, nah, I can't. I can't listen to old music because, well, released music because I don't really like how I sang. Really? <laughs> like because I've changed. I, I struggle like I would have done it. I could have done it better. Like I think mm. I kind of go, oh. I Like in early Jezebel's days, I sang with like an American accent. Right. And I don't do that anymore. And I'm not sure entirely where that changed. I think it was gradual. You know, when you first start singing, you're kind of imitating the people you like. Yeah. And I liked like Kate Bush and Aretha Franklin. So I was kind of like sometimes sounded a bit English, sometimes sounded a bit American, just depending on how I could easily get the note. Like Americans, it is a bit more lyrical though, isn't it? Speak, singing Well, American. you think that because you're so used to it. Yeah, maybe. But I think like- You'd probably call Paul Kelly pretty lyrical. Oh, okay, all right, you got me. <laughs> so, so you know. But for but okay, so but I ask you this though: for were you releasing music to be an international smash or for yourself? Because Paul Kelly probably how to make gravy isn't going to make the Billboard charts in the US. No, but neither did Dark Storm. <laughs> well, I loved it. It had my vote. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about no. singing in an American accent. Right. I think a lot of people when they start singing, because they've just listened to so much American popular music, they just sing like that and mm. it kind of makes sense. There was moments of forging through that purposefully and it was unnatural at first to sing in an Australian accent to me. Like I had to kind of try mm. consciously because I was like, I kind of don't feel like I'm totally found my voice yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Sorry. Like, was that your voice? My <laughs> was that accent? Is that your my voice? voice. Hayley's voice, everybody. Yeah, I need to be free to find my own voice. Yeah. Stifling my voice. Yeah. Anyway, so I felt I had my own voice then. I wasn't like, I'm not me. But as I got older, I was like, I am Australian. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I as am no going to I start. Am, I'm Australian. I yeah. am going to start singing in my own accent and creating. And it was also a little bit of a kind of, you know, you started hearing it more and it was like, oh, it can be done, you know. So, yeah. Mm. I, I struggle to listen back because I'm like, why am I singing like that? But, you could, but some of <laughs> I, I think, that, especially for Jezebel's, because- 
to me, it felt very mature. Like the music. Still we had that a lot. It feels very mature. It was mature. a bit annoying. And that's a nice, um, and that's a compliment, by the way. No, that's it not- is a compliment, but I remember we nearly got a sync on Twilight. Yeah. Which would have been great, but they were like, it's just a bit mature. And I was like, fuck. Too mature for Twilight. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Sorry, you're allowed to swear. Yeah, of course. You can do whatever <laughs> you want. Assumed, Patty's house. <laughs> I assumed that you would allow swearing oh, on your yes. podcast. 11% wine and two F-bombs are absolutely fine. <laughs> um, so, what was the question? I, no, I think Jezebel's <laughs> music was very mature, mature, very moody, very dark. And yeah. I, I still, even last night, and this was, you know, years after, just, it's, it's really nice. It's lovely. Like, yeah. I think you do grow out of music as a listener, but I haven't grown out of Jezebel's. That's cool. That is very complimentary. I think maybe we, not to like toot my own horn here, but I really like pop music that is like, you know, you can like it immediately on an aesthetic level like melodically, you know, all that stuff. But if you wanted to scratch the surface and find some kind of depth or have an analysis or wonder what it means, that you could. So, like, I think lyrics are really important and I really struggle to sing a song if I don't like the lyrics and think there's some kind of meaning. Well, there was a review about Spray, I think, that said it was so funny in a way but so sad that a girl had to walk around with my spray. Yeah, right. I remember right, reading yeah. that at the time and I thought, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah. But what also makes it hard for me to go back and listen is that I'm a really different person to mm. the person who wrote those songs. So it's like it's a younger me and I kind of cringe at her You a don't bit. see it as a snapshot in time and go, oh, <laughs> how do. cool was I then? I, yeah, a, I do. Or do but you I'm, just go, ugh. I go, oh, you <laughs> idiot. You think you're the first person to discover <laughs> feminism? Or like- you know, I, I was a bit serious and a bit, you yeah. know, pretty emo and like, you know, the patriarchy. Mm. And now I'm like, it's more complicated than that, you yeah. fucking idiot. <laughs> like it's, you know. Like yeah, I like that. And so I listen to it's this angry. An it's more complicated. It's more than complicated than that, you fucking idiot. Yeah, it sort of could be. By that band, I love you, but I've chosen darkness, <laughs> yeah. which is one of my favourite yeah, band, yeah. band names of all time. Really long. Yeah, yeah, I like that. <laughs> um, now you're gonna play a bit for us today, and let's go back to the start because you did, you know, you were, your dad was dressed as a witch and you were dressed as a fairy. You're obviously yeah. in a somewhat musical household. What was the song? Do you think for you that you heard, or maybe your dad or your mum played that made you sit up and go, "Oh, maybe I want to do this for a living." Well, I don't know if it was like for a living at the time because <laughs> yeah. I was like maybe three or four. Okay. So, no Oprah light bulb moment, but a song that made you go, wow, this is music. Well, this would be the first song I ever learned to sing was Unchained Melody. And I saw it whilst peeping through the bedroom door to watch the sex scene in Ghost when my parents were watching it. And I was like, ooh. Who had sex in Ghost again? Can you remind me? It's a romance between <laughs> two main characters. There's like only two. It was Patrick other Swayze characters. and Demi, Demi Moore, Moore, not Whoopi. Whoopi Demi. was the ghost, wasn't she? No, Whoopi was the medium. Okay. Patrick Swayze's the ghost. He I gets don't think killed. I've ever watched it. It's, <laughs> it's a pottery movie. It's a pottery movie. It's about pottery and ceramics. You're making an ashtray for your mum who doesn't smoke. I remember distinctly thinking how annoying it was that they were doing this pottery and they were covered in clay and then suddenly they were – and they start making out covered in clay and then suddenly they were clean and dry. Yeah, and they go right. to bed and I'm like, there's an inconsistency. Is that like, when Unchained Melody starts? When when does Yes, yeah, so oh, Unchained okay. Melody starts on the pottery wheel. Yeah, right. Ooh, or she puts on the record and you get the crackle and they're like touching the sensual vase. Yes. I don't say vase, vase, I say vase. Vase is nice though. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I said capo the other day instead of capo and I'm like, I don't say that. Like sometimes you just try and change yeah, it up. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then you go, no, that's not me. Yeah. Anyway, the vase. And the vast, they're touching the it and then, oh, my love. Well, when you play, play a little bit for us, we're only allowed 15 seconds. If you play a bit for us, I'll pretend I'm making a, va- a vase. Oh, my love, my darling, I've hungered for your touch. So... Like, what do you what do you listen to? We'll, we'll talk about that at the end. Like, we actually ask you at the end who you'd like 
to introduce us to. But shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's I'm giving Abba you plenty of notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. But but what are you listening to at the moment? Like, uh, are you listening? Are you going back? Are you liking new things? Are you? It's always really hard to remember when people ask you this. Mm. Spotify has been really good for me because I'm not a new music listener, really. Like, I've always just really liked old bands. and, and It's also hard work. That's why I hope yeah. this podcast helps a bit because it's sometimes you want to be actually hand-fed what you should be listening to. There was a time, you know, obviously before streaming where, like, the only times you would discover things is when you heard them. Yeah. Like, you were exposed to them in a car or in a shopping centre or at someone's house and you are like, okay, I can like that. But now there's like this kind of prerogative or pressure to go searching. Mm. And I guess with less tastemakers and more music, it's kind of, there is a fair bit of shit to wade through. Not so much less tastemakers, but just like more of everything. But so it's feel, like, how do you find them? On that point, I don't give anything the time. Like I remember walking to school every day for six months, listening to whole celebrity skin. I know that album it's inside and album. out, every lyric, every guitar bit on my discman, holding it really yeah. still. But in six months now, I would have consumed 498 bands and remember two of them. Exactly. So it's like when you say, what do you listen to? I'm like, well, I've been listening to my Discover Weekly oh. thing, but I can't and remember. And not Jezebel's. We can attest for that. <laughs> no. I can't remember where um, any of the bands that I've been listening to in fo- in terms of new stuff. Like I like bands like Fontaine's DC and Amel oh. and the Sniffers and like, kind of new punky bands like that. And I also love – I love a singer, like yeah. a big projection singer like your Amy Winehouse's or – Yeah. Like I really like 60s music for that reason, like soul and Dusty Springfield kind of vibes. I'm not heaps into like the understated contemporary stuff that's going on. Like it's good, but it's mm. not really my thing. Like I like emotional – I like Unchained Melody, you know. Yeah. I like big singing and So were like they, the, they your influences and, then? Were they like big yeah, singers? Yeah, ABBA. Yeah. Queen, Bowie, mm-hmm. yeah. all of the kind of 70s classics. Love Roy Orbison. My first EP, my aim was to try and make it sound like a memory of your parents dancing in the kitchen, oh, yeah. but your mum is Cindy Lauper and your dad is Roy Orbison. So it's not a real memory. Oh, no, that's cool though. It's a cool kitchen. Not <laughs> but, much cooking happening in that kitchen. No. But that's cool. They probably have a cook. But um, yeah. yeah, and they're dancing and it's the happy times in your childhood and that's, that's nice. your parents. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like I love those two artists and, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of old stuff but, I don't know, new stuff. I can't – like there was bands like – this isn't not, not new at all but more recently like – Arcade Fire and that kind of oh, thing. It's yeah. pretty influential. I, but on the well, jazz I, saw, I was at Glastonbury in 2014, and the first band I saw at Glastonbury 2014, I got in there late. It was Friday night. Arcade Fire just started, and yeah. I managed in the 200,000 plus people to stand and watch that entire set. And not my favorite band, but one of my favorite musical experiences of all time. So good live. There was 900 people on stage. I'm not sure how they pay those yeah, guys. It's crazy. Because <laughs> you tour with a pretty large band. Um, when well, you're yeah. on your solo stuff, because Monty's a dear friend of ours, and <laughs> there, he, he told me he had some great times on the road with you recently when you were doing the your solo stuff around Indeed. town. Yeah, I d- I decided to kind of divide it into two things. So one's like a really stripped back solo thing that's the money saver. It can get yes. you kind of into places and get your name out there without having to pay a whole army of people. Mm. And then when I do the the big rock show, I want it to be a fucking great big rock show. Mm-hmm. So I've got like two electric guitarists who both play lead and rhythm, but they kind of interchange a bit. Then a bass, acoustic guitar and drums and they like a lot of them, a lot of backing vocals. And it was kind of just like that wall of sound thing that I wanted to do, which serves the recordings. Yeah, I do. I do have a large band for someone who's starting out and probably can't afford to have a large <laughs> band. But like I just want to do it right. I figure yes. like – just blow people away and then maybe you'll get more shows. <laughs> yeah. Rather than like skimping and well, being years okay. Ago, years ago and not but I interviewed Lady Gaga and she said her first tour sent her bankrupt. Yeah. Because the record company would give her X and she said, Well, this is not gonna be my first world. She's tour. Lady Gaga. And so she put her own money into every show and me again walking away. I have not put a Lady Gaga album on at home once. But such an amazing show and yeah. that sat with me for years. You've got to give it your all otherwise yeah, you what's do. the point? Do you know what my best live show that I've ever yeah, seen go. is? So 
back to Byron Roots, the Parkway guys, who are friends of mine, yeah. were in England for Download Festival. And I was living in London, so I went up to see them. And we all watched Ramstein. <laughs> and it was another worldly experience. Yeah. It was just so virile <laughs> and masculine and like industrial and huge and powerful. It was just like the spectacle of it all. Mm. And it was still to this day. And people are like, but how can you like, like, you know. You were a feminist or something. That's I'm fine. like, well, I can appreciate what they're doing artistically. I just remember thinking there's no place on this stage for a woman other than to be like sacrificially killed maybe. <laughs> like it's like it was so Try doing that in 2021. masculine. <laughs> and I was like, but that's the outlet. Yeah. And, you know, they're coming from, is it East Berlin or whatever? Where I think so, yeah. They're dealing with their history in a way that sometimes Germany doesn't. No, actually, Germany's quite good at it, but, like, they were going face on with, like, fascism and stuff in this art. And I was like, wow. Like, it just it was, it was just blew me away. It was probably the closest thing to ever seeing a Nuremberg rally or something. It was, yeah. like, all of these rock fans, like, holding up their hands to them, just, like, 20,000 people. And it was like, wow, you can, you can see how the spectacle really gets a crowd going. And do you find, like, in those experiences sometimes, well, I've been at shows where I've never felt safer than anywhere in the Like, you know, it doesn't matter how many people, it doesn't matter the kind of the tone of the music, but, God, it feels nice, it feels comfortable, it feels safe, everyone's on the same page, they're yeah. all doing the same like nowadays, you can be in a room with four people, and we're meant to be watching a movie, but we're all actually doing something different. We're all on our phone, or there's something it about a festival you, show yeah. or a show where you're for the first time all week or all year or month, you're just doing what everyone else Living is doing. Living in the That's moment a, a bit, pretty amazing experience, which we haven't had for a long time. True, and maybe that is what draws people to it because it's like, yeah, it's you're right. You're not really there to listen to the music because you have. You can listen to music mm. anyway. You're kind of there to experience it mm. or something together. So let's talk about the dreaded COVID. What okay. should have been happening for you in the last 12 months? I mean, you're obviously you're out on your own. You, you've got you're about to release, I think, your second solo EP. Mm. I should have been Billboard in America okay, charts. Great. That's basically okay. what so was COVID's the plan. COVID's fault. Then blame COVID for that. Big C. Big F and C. Yeah, <laughs> my first EP, my debut. Yes. EP, the piss the perfume came out started last year and then I was due to do that tour when the big C hit and so that's what my song The Chain's about which was literally having my suitcase packed about to go out the door and like Dave calling me my manager being like yeah don't reckon you should go where were you supposed to be going like to Sydney and then around you know yeah. I think there was a few Australian shows I can't remember exactly and then to like the UK for Great Escape and, yeah, we just canned those shows, which was wise because that next day they were like, everything's shut. And I was like, I'm really glad I'm not stuck in Sydney right now. But, yeah, so that happened. And I just I kind of just used the time to record a bunch of songs, some of which have turned into my second EP that's coming out soon mm. or may have come out by the time you broadcast this. Who mm. knows? Yeah, we pretend out. that we're doing this live. Yeah, we're live right now. Because <laughs> podcasts normally how is are. The, how is the news today? Whoa, yeah. I could not get over today's news actually. All the weather was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, the, I just did that and did a bunch of COVID safe shows, which mm. was interesting, toning back the guitar tone so that you didn't blow people's heads off, accommodating for that kind of thing was as an audience member, I've enjoyed this table service element of I like uh, COVID. It. I kind of think bring it back. I reckon have having the two shows, one early with tables and chairs and candles and people who have kids or old people or something can just come and like not feel intimidated and then they can go home and go to bed early and then you move the chairs and tables and you have a full rock show. Yeah. yeah. That I reckon is a great idea. Yeah, I did some acoustic shows as well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, you did. regional stuff, which yeah. is great. While you've got your instrument, let's go back a bit in time again, which I know you like doing, pa not past life stuff, still current life. I'm quite life. a nostalgic person, yeah. But what about, the, what about the song you remember that kind of changed things for you, career-wise? Oh, like- Of your my, own. Okay, yeah. I would reckon maybe, it's not called Cherry Pie. I always call it that. It's called A Little Piece. And oh, yeah, that song maybe was on Dark Storm. It was. Yay, I know 
the songs. Yeah, Dark Storm was still my favourite. I mean, um, not my favourite. Obviously, your current stuff's my favourite, but Dark yes, Storm's it has still. to be. Thank <laughs> you. God, Dark Storm, gross. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm all about the drip. Good, good. <laughs> speaking of the drip, yeah, let's speak about it. You know how you mentioned live through this? Was it? Mm-hmm. I've just been enlightened mm-hmm. as to the fact that my EP cover looks a lot like that. Oh yeah, or is reminiscent of that. Yeah, right. Anyway. I have a crown on. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Thanks. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. I do. You're not lying. Where 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 was I? Cherry pie. Cherry pie. A little piece. Yeah, Sorry. that's it. Right. So, yeah, that got put on a mountain bike video by a guy called Danny McCaskill when YouTube videos were just starting to be like a viral thing. And it went viral and then that meant that we were able to tour internationally. It was like a big Moment. Yeah, it's a great video, by the way. Yeah. It's amazing. But your videos are good. I feel do you No, that's it, not our video. But, do you, but no, but I'm saying, <laughs> but your videos. But your, uh, do you put. Because you've even got videos out for songs that My, are barely released. Yeah. You, Jezebel's, everything. It's Videos have been a big part of. I can't watch Jezebel's early videos. I, again, it's the well, same thing. Well, that makes sense music. to me now because you've yeah. already admitted that you can't listen to Jezebel's. Yeah, I, I, I would have <laughs> Not a betting man, but would have bet on the. You couldn't yeah, watch yeah. the early ones either. Yeah. Thank you. I find okay, okay, that's good because I was like Fuck, another me singing and dancing around. I mean, it's just, it's cheap. It's yeah. cheap to just get someone to film you singing that, your song, then, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't um, want actors. No, no. Although I think Ruben, who we're friends, yeah, Ruben's just done one in the Blue Mountains for your only great always yoga in the Blue Mountains with a bloke in a bikini with a beard pole dancing. Cool. So you could try something like that next I time. I could. <laughs> I'd probably have to. Pay that person though. Yeah, I'll just do well, it myself. We could get one of the guys in the room. <laughs> we all do things for, yeah. for, pretty cheaply in here. We yeah, got Ryan, Darcy, and myself. Um, <laughs> sounds good. Think about that anyway. Plan. Text Ruben about it. If I've got it. the right song for it, I'll get you in a bikini any day. But do you want to play us a little bit of Cherry Pie slash Little Piece? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what I was trying to get to. <laughs> that was a great segue. <laughs> that was a great segue, wasn't it? When have you been through the sea on the night? Hold me tight, babe, we got it. Did you find that you'd like a little piece of cherry pie hot from the oven? Thank you for that. That was awesome. So from that album, though, there was about three years till the brink. When you guys released... Was it Pleasure Drive? Was that on Cynthia? Why are you skipping our best album? Am I skipping the <laughs> yeah. Am I skipping the best album? Prisoner. Well, I'm not skipping Prisoner. Am I it's skipping first? Pris- yeah. We went to the brink, which is a dark time. Okay, well, let's start with Prisoner then. Thank you. <laughs> it's the 10 year anniversary, actually, of Prisoner this is year. It? Yeah, we're trying to get a tour together, but we're really fucking lazy. Well, okay, what did it mean then? What What did Chris? How? So you got together in? I'm gonna make. Am I making this up? 2007 with the Jezebels? You didn't make that up. That's true. Yeah. 2007. Well, maybe we were together a little bit before that. We put our first EP out in 2009, didn't we? So and Prisoner was 2011 from my little book. Our first show was 2007 in the Sydney Uni Band Comp. Was it? Yeah. Pretty dorky. That's um, pretty cool. We're not in the Roundhouse. Cool. Uh, no, no, no. That's Randwick, U- UNSW. Oh, so I didn't go to uni. So. My, I went to the... <laughs> The one that looks like Hogwarts. And <laughs> yeah. I chose it because it looked like Hogwarts. Okay. Literally. It's that's the second it. Harry Potter reference in this podcast, by the way. I'm well into the gargoyles. <laughs> yeah. I like the gothic shit. Yeah. So, yeah, I just went there because I liked the building and then got the band together. We got, I mean, I knew Heather from years ago and from school and Sam, but we got together for that show and met Nick at a cafe there and Bob's your uncle. What was the process from, say, 2007 to 2011 to get that album out? Was it a struggle? Was it fun? Was it- We did three EPs before that album. Right. So, it was good. We were independent, so we just got loans from the bank and funded them, which is partly why we did three EPs instead of an album, because it's a cheaper way of getting more publicity. Do you do more EPs than most people? We did three. You're even solo before- doing a lot of EPs. Yeah, it's just- it's, it's just better. cheaper. It's yeah. like you get the coverage. But with the streaming, media release, you think it's you kind of just, just getting it out is better anyway? Yeah, the content monster is so hungry. 
Mm. And it has a fast metabolism. Yes. It's like just doesn't care that you just put something out like last week. It's like, what, What's what have you done thing? ever? Yeah. You know, it's so you kind of got to do another video of you fucking walking around singing the song and <laughs> show it on the internet and, you know, like, here's my next one. It's yeah. the same as the last, but hey, mm. <laughs> you've forgotten that already. <laughs> yeah, <no. So> <laughs> <laughs> What's well, a bit like Netflix, isn't it? It almost, thank God Spotify and stuff doesn't have as. 30 seconds of the songs left to go, you might want to try this thing. Like yeah. it lets you be with that artist at least. For a second, yeah. Yeah, for just a second. I'm yeah. sure they'll be listening to this going, it's a good algorithm we might put in later. Like, oh, you like Harry, Harry Mary, you might also like. Yeah. <laughs> and then it pushes you off your page. Yeah. The only thing that's annoying, actually it's not the only thing, but one of the annoying things about Spotify, and I don't hate Spotify, I'll have them know. Mm. I like it. I, I think like it's a good it thing also. in general. Obviously, if they're going to run, they run this podcast. So yeah, no. Spotify, the thing that great. frustrates me, though, is the geographical limitations to the related artists. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, it's never particularly genre or stylistic. It's like, it's kind of just like who's in your country. Like artists who are on Triple J in Australia mm. are all kind of related artists and it's like they're not really related artists. Like they don't sound anything alike. I guess maybe it's because similar people listen to them because similar people listen to Triple J or something, but it's like mm. I just don't – that's not how I want to find things. Like I don't listen to this and then, of course, I like a band that's also from that country. Mm. Should be more stylistic. I yeah. Think. That's slightly limiting. But it could just be in Australia. Yeah, Because of the Triple J effect. I don't know. But, yeah. Surely that's my all- criticism of you, Spotify. Get it together. <laughs> we'll cut that out, Spotify, don't worry. <laughs> We'll it's my this, only one. We'll put this on the Apple version of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, you got to play the room. So Prisoner was not – so it was just a happy time. It was a good time. It came out. You were happy with the release. It was a process, though. It was a while. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it was, it was a happy time. I mean, have you heard oh, it? I said that. <laughs> it's, pretty, oh, heard it's pretty dark and miserable record. Yeah. It no, was no, it's mature. Mature. Remember? Which means miserable. Yeah. Uh, no, it doesn't at all. It was a happy time. It was a good time. I was pretty depleted after that, though, which was not a great time. Into the Brink second album, Syndrome. So that wasn't a great time. But, yeah, before that, all the touring and stuff was amazing. What was the difference about the Brink then? Like Getting a second album out, was it more pressure from outside? Was it pressure from within? It was a bit of both. It came – at first it was a bit like, yeah, you just keep doing it, right? And then I kind of like sat there and was like, I don't know if I want to write an album right now, like – but you kind of got to keep the momentum going. And we moved to London because our record deal based there. And so they were like, come over here, make a record, work with someone new. And we did, but then Heather got diagnosed with cancer. And so right, like a couple of weeks into writing and living there. And so it was like, oh. And they were kind of like, oh, in a week, we've got to operate on you or, or you could, you know, it might not be okay. And so just like, what? You're like 26 and you're thinking you're making your second album and then you just like have this life-threatening cancer. And so we just had to stop and like it's in the middle of London winter and Nick and I, Heather and Sam are a couple. We don't really like talk about it publicly, but there was a massive effect on half of the band, you know, because it was ovarian cancer, so it's got reproductive consequences. And so, yeah, we're just like walking around London in the snow going, what the hell? And Nick and I just assumed the band would be over. But then Heather came out of the operation and was like, I want to keep writing the record because I don't want to – maybe it was a bit of a denial about it or maybe she just wanted to have an outlet. I don't know what her reasoning was. I think you was. always hear the people who are sick themselves are the ones don't that wanna, don't yeah. want to talk about it or be a part of it. Yeah, and it became this thing where like helpless. everyone was always talking about her cancer yeah. and she's like, can we make a record so we can talk about a fucking record? Yeah. And yeah. so we did, but it wasn't in me at all to make that record. I right. just, I didn't really want to do it. Right. But it was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, here it is, guys. Here's the brink. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it's yeah, it was a rough, rough time. But because you were about to do a world tour, weren't you? When you had to call it off because that of Heather's diagnosis, Cynthia, which is so we didn't oh, tell right. the world for quite a while. She okay. had it and was going in and getting. She had various operations to remove tumors. They got embryos or whatever they do in case you lose that. So she has some frozen and all that's that whole process of going through that. Then she got some chemo, but she didn't want the world to know. But then when we had Cynthia, our third record, I was in the UK at the time and we were supposed to tour that and that, then she got the call of like, you need to come in for chemo. And so we had to cancel that. 
And so we had to kind of tell people. Because we'd done a lot of cancelling. <laughs> people yeah. were like, these guys are a bit flaky, yeah. And then COVID came along and was like, oh, we're good at cancelling yeah. things. Suddenly the show doesn't have to go on. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, so we had to tell people because it was like a whole tour and we had to fire people who we employed. And what did that mean? Like, that's that take, take, I mean, it might be hard, but take the personal side out of it. Like you've got a friend that's going through something huge, but professionally, how did that feel? Like just in a like selfish the moment. entire... I'm I'm quite good at selfish moments. Okay, let's do it then. The entire like just rug had just been pulled out and you're just like free falling. Yeah. Basically for a while in the universe, just floating about going that's the thing about cancer, it's not just an illness, it like it affects your whole life and everyone's life. It's financially and your direction and, you know, everything like that. So I think yeah, it was just a lost soul for a while, to be honest. And I was trapped in London. And it was like the day David Bowie died or something. Yeah, right. I, I moved out of my house already because I was going on tour. So I had to find a place there because my ticket home was the ticket to the tour. So I was kind of trapped. Oh. And then <laughs> and then I ended up moving into like a hostel in Brixton, which was <laughs> horrid. And it was when David Bowie died and he was from Brixton. So it was just like, yeah, right. it was pretty emotional. It was like a lot of David Bowie parties and murals. And like, I was just like, who am I? Like, I thought I was going on tour and now <laughs> yeah. I'm here and Bowie's dead. And I'm wandering around <laughs> yeah. without a, without this a hostel shower. This isn't how shower. it was meant to be today. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. So I was trapped in a hostel for a while. That sucked. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. But, you know, it was better than chemo. So so, so what about – so when did you decide or when did the band decide to – I mean, what's the word? Is it We've hiatus? Is decided. it breakup? We've okay. never decided. It just – probably after that, mm-hmm. it was like we eventually did the tour. I can't remember if we went to America and the UK or not. I think we did. Sounds like it did and you can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I can't. it's just a bit of a blur because we've gone there quite a few times. But I think we did. And then we just didn't really make any more music. I mean, we did the others, one song. We had this kind of plan to do a song-based thing rather than, like, you know, the pressure of albums. It still just seemed too much pressure. And I think after their experience, Sam and Heather really wanted a bit more of a normal, stable life. So they kind of went back to uni. Nick went back to uni. I was then like trying to find my my voice yeah. as a solo artist, and <laughs> so we've just all Nick's a full time teacher now. Yeah, right. Science teacher. Oh, that's cool. He's a nerd. And how is Heather going? She's great. Yeah. So she got on an experimental drug that has seemingly ha- not had any bad side effects for her and is working. Well, this is the last I heard, and so she gets it for free for life because she was part of this trial. So. Seems in a good spot. Great. Yeah. So tell us about the transition then. You're in a band, you're kind of making egalitarian decisions, you're kind of doing the right thing, you're almost work like you're working, you know. Democracy. Yeah. So then now you're The dictator in me just had to have a little (laughs) had to have a little moment. You're a solo artist now, which we love. How how did it feel when the piss the perfume was out and you were doing your own thing and you're free of the kind of band politics. I mean, yeah, I'd been pretty free of the band politics for a while because we hadn't done anything. But to yeah, to start doing stuff all kind of on my own, I felt great. It was a it's a big challenge. Like you realize how much a band does, and also like how defined your sound is by the other people that you're collaborating with and all that stuff. So there's like a lot of freedom that was quite overwhelming. It's like, where do you go? What direction do you go? I kind of found myself being not pushed, but just falling into like a bit of a pop world, like with pop producers for a while. And, and was there a part of like right. not having people to fall? Like when there's success, you pat each other on the back. When there's failure, yeah. you're with each other. You're Because I, I always think solo sports people are the biggest knobs in the world because they've got <laughs> no one to ever tell them that like- Like they're you know, a bit the, shit or- Yeah. yeah. Or, I have a team. So yes. there's, I guess, the difference. It's like, but I call the shot. So ultimately, they don't have to be free this time of year to go on tour. They don't have to right. like the music. It's all down to me in the end, but yeah. I have people that help me. So that's lucky. Like I've got a label, which we never had with the Jezebels. Probably wouldn't have worked with the Jezebels. Very crucial to me because mm. having that feedback. But a manager and Johnny, my partner, work, like ends up helping me with writing a lot of the time and demoing and just general like feedback and life stuff. 
I just show him press shots and he's like, that one's good. And I'm like, great. I was going to say, how, how, how is that being in a show? Let's call it a showbiz relationship. Because <laughs> okay. you obviously understand each other. You underst- I prefer the term and we're, and we're sitting opposite some of his gold records in Patty's house too. Yeah. Um, ha- you got to get some of those. You should. You should. You'll be the next Actually, frame. I do have some of those. They're just not in this office. Well, come on, Patty. Lift your game, mate. Is it a lovely, is it a not, like you can come home and you can go, how does this sound? You've got an honest feedback. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. really good. I, I've been in musical relationships before, but there was never that working relationship. Like we just kept it separate. Sometimes a little bit competitive actually, which can happen, but it's really good. I definitely wouldn't have done this solo stuff without meeting Johnny because he's the person that put a guitar on me in the first place. Like I used to play guitar when I was like five. But then Sam was a lot better, so I just didn't bother. And I like a front person who doesn't. And I like it. when Jezebel shows yeah. you're a proper front woman. You know, you've, you've yeah, got, you've got I the like jam- doing you've got the Jamison that. in your hand, yeah. and you're having a go. Having a swan or a frolic, I like to call. <laughs> yeah, I like I to swan about. Yeah, but yeah, so I wouldn't have done any of it if he didn't go like chuck an acoustic guitar on physically when we were hanging out as friends, and then. Yeah, just keep pushing me a bit as well. Like he, I kind of learned the work ethic from his, him as well. Because when you've got a band, you're, there's a mutual pressure mm. slash expectations. How do you drive yourself? And I get, he's the kind of guy that gets up and writes songs like sort of every day. They're a very driven bunch, aren't they? Yeah, I think he's the engine. Yeah, oh yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> he's kind of a lot of people's engine. Yeah. He's an energetic human being. He really and, is. Yeah, I'm quite languid in comparison but he... What's well, good, though. You need the, you need each other. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I calm him down a little. Yeah. Do you want to play something from solo life that maybe you put out first that terrified you and it worked or something that you're most proud of? Up to you. I really like the piece of perfume. Me too. Yeah, it's a great song. Very That's proud good. of that one. Don't want to come around the wind and the sound of slant in the room Piss the perfume, always somehow can bring me to tears Whenever combined with pictures of you Okay, so tell us about The Drip. Okay, Um, it's an EP, seven songs. It's my second EP. The title track, The Drip, is probably one of my favourites that I've ever written lyrically and just, and vibes. It kind of was inspired by... Edinburgh and living after this period of like soul searching, not knowing who I was, going into like pop producers and them trying to make me sound like Billie Eilish or something, um, which doesn't work. I just doesn't work. I've tried the pop thing. It's worked I actually, for her. I, I suck <laughs> at it. Yeah, um, it does. She's great. The first solo EP was quite poppy. No, sorry, it's poppy, but I mean pop, slick production, minimalism, all that stuff that is kind of in a production sense. I'm not saying it's not melodically poppy or whatever, but you know what I mean. So after this soul-searching, lost soul, rug out from under you vibes, I did some time in America, I did some time in the UK, I hired a Ford Mustang convertible, and I drove to visit my unmet auntie in Vegas from LA. That's what Pleasure Drive was about. You know, I did some soul-searching and... Didn't really find anything for ages. Hang on, who, does someone live in Vegas by choice? Is, is it a family member? Yeah, that- my family member. She, she's from Glasgow, so she wanted to go to the opposite mm, of Glasgow. It's and quite the opposite. Turns out it's Vegas. Yeah, and I was kind of trying to write songs and getting somewhere, and I was with Johnny, and then we decided to move to Edinburgh. Basically, something about living in Edinburgh, and I worked in this cafe, which is the UK word for cafe. Um, like vase. Yeah. <laughs> vase so, uh, and vase. I think okay. some of them say vase. Anyway, it was like immediate that I realised I suck at hospitality. Like I always knew that, but like <laughs> I was reminded because I'd lived off the Jezebels for like a while and I was like, that was good. Let's go back to that. Um, and so suddenly, you know, it was like a month into like getting up really early when it was like dark and going home when it was dark and riding through the rain and serving disgruntled Scottish tradies haggis rolls and Delicious, by the way. And haggis rolls. What is that? Very quickly, is that a haggis in a roll? Yeah. Okay. Do you know a morning roll? Like yeah. A soft morning. Well, my family is Scottish. Yeah. Just, they're, and they're Delicious. all from Edinburgh. So Stornoway black pudding. Mm, oh, black pudding's the greatest. It's the stuff. Anyway, so all that stuff that I was doing, and it was, took me a month of doing that to go. I actually need to write some fucking songs. Like I can't. This can't be forever type stuff. And so it was inspired by Edinburgh. That song, the drip. Mm. A lot of the songs were written there. And then some here. It's a bit of a mix, but did you yeah. record here? 
recorded here. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of, yeah, it's a bit about Scotland and the UK and the mundane life that I was living, but also kind of enjoying it. And it was kind of a romantic mundane life. But yeah, then there's some other songs on there. Could we hear a little bit of one of them, do you think? Could yeah. you give us a little bit of one of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what do you want to hear? Do you want to hear the drip or do you want to hear Sullen Kink? Whatever you think. Whatever you think we should hear. Here's the drip. Breaking habits now, there he goes, the cat that I can't feed. Make me happy, but not for long, the drip inside of me. All right, so we're about to about to finish up. What does the next little moments for you look like? Are you heading? Like, are you planning on a, a tour soon? Are you getting the band t- together? Are you? I need. I do? need to get some gigs happening. I'll do my own, but I need to get on a support or something. I think mm. and just like go extensive. That's the one thing I really want and think is lacking from my solo thing is just like time on the road. It's not been the greatest year to start a new project, but yeah, that's. Something that the Jezebels had, we just did a lot of touring and so it became like the back of your hand thing and that's what I want to do. So yeah. that's the aim. I'm actually studying sound production at TAFE. Yeah, right. Decided to upskill. Well well done. Yeah, this is naivety only got me so far. I'm like, you want I've to go run out of the- <laughs> Yeah, no. No. Never. <laughs> I'll just I'll do so- I'll get into real estate or something before yeah, I go back to everyone hospitality. Everyone in Sydney's into real estate. It's so hard to be a real estate agent in Sydney. I'll see that over I'm there. I'm from Melbourne though, and it's an up and coming market, oh, okay. I tell you. I've no. got a house you could rent in Melbourne, by the way. We'll talk about that later. I can't afford it. Let's leave with someone or some band or something you'd like to introduce us to. My brother's band. Yeah. He doesn't play much live. He's got that kind of like, I don't know, that internet generation thing of like not wanting to do things that aren't perfect or fail in front of people. This is just my summarization. He's probably going, listen, going, what the hell are you talking about? But he doesn't, you know, get out there and, and promote himself much or anything. He's not particularly ambitious with the music, but he's really good. And it's called Magnified Desire. The band's name? Yeah. Yeah, great. Hey, um, thank you so much for giving us um, time today. I've, I've loved it. and um, Thank you know, for having me. We know this little area, so let's go out and have a 11%. Let's go dance in the Utopian Garden. Glass of, yeah, let's do all that. Do you know what? I, I did some time off drinking and I discovered how good they are at marketing, the alcohol industry. Yeah. This is a picture of Utopia. Is it? And yeah, it's just, it's just, it sells itself so well, doesn't What's it? What's it called? What's the one? Oh, this is what I got from P&V the other day. It's. George, Giovanni Armani Giorgio. It sounds like a fashion mm. brand, several fashion brands. You can buy once. it from Chemist Warehouse and spray it on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I said to this, the P&V guys, I go, oh, I'm just going to see a mate. She likes low alcoholic wines. What have you got? And they're like, nah. <laughs> I love, yeah. <laughs> That's what I do got. You know where I get it? If you yeah. ever do want this, yeah. you, you should get into this. Um, <laughs> Why would you say that? I didn't mean anything by it. Mm. Is the Gladi, not the Gladi, but near it, Chippendale Cellars yes, or something? Okay. The one on Abercrombie, is it? I know it, yeah. Okay. It's really nice. Beck, okay. I got back into it. She loves it. All right. That's our hostess with Mostess. I'll go there in 10 years and let you know how it goes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> When the liver failure is <laughs> I know. <laughs> Haley told me I need to come here. <laughs> uh, thanks for thanks for jumping on the podcast with us. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Lovely and Patty. big thanks to uh, Patty and Beck for having yes. me. Yes. Let's go and eat some of their food. Yeah. Totes. Totes.